It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is, of course, the home of common sense. There's the only place to be uh, to find out what is really going on and to ask the right questions of all the right people to get all the right answers. Because right now, we've got a lot of questions and we need a lot of answers. And we need to know exactly where we are going, when we're going to get there, who we're going to take with us and who we're going to leave behind. Quite frankly, all of these questions need answering. They need answering today. It's a brand new week, a brand new day. We're in a brand new month, right? But... Ladies and gentlemen, we are entering what I would call a new political era. And I'll tell you why. This is the one where the most popular party in the country has decided to abandon its core voters in order to curry favour with behavioural scientists, people who run polls, ripping up its manifesto promises despite protests from ever-increasing senior members of the parliamentary group and to continually introduce policies it previously said it wouldn't do. I'll give you Boris Johnson and the tainted Tories, ladies and gentlemen, because far from pressing home their advantage against all opposition, they seem to be steadfastly heading headlong into the wilderness. On vaccine passports, they now say they will introduce them, despite promising never to do so. On the vaccination of children, they are confused about who has the right to decide, and they contradict themselves on a daily basis. And on raising taxes, they are deliberately ignoring warnings from inside the cabinet and outside the cabinet that reversing manifesto policy can only end in tears so here's one question for you what are conservative voters supposed to do we'll be asking veteran mp john redwood and i hope he forgives me for calling him that uh, he's conservative mp of course for woking a member of the covid recovery group as well oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand if you've got a question for john redwood by all means send it in to me you can text it to 87222. You can tweet it at Talk Radio. Coming up later on, we're joined by Sammy Wilson from the DUP, who's got plenty to say about the Northern Ireland Protocol as Nobel Prize winner Lord Trimble warns of unrest in the province if Joe Biden, that's right, that guy over in America, doesn't stop backing the EU-inspired policy. Peter Hitchens is here as well. He'll be talking about more draconian controls imposed upon us as we head for the autumn, including what he believes is a move towards a cashless society. As ever, of course, we need to hear from you. Are you back in the office today? Because we're told the great rush to return has begun. London rush hour traffic equals pre-pandemic levels. Hundreds of thousands of staff supposedly returning to work. So if you're still working from home, you might be in the minority now. We want to hear from you on that as well. 0344 499 1000. What are you hearing from your child's school? Most of them are back as well now. Uh, and as if all that wasn't enough, you can watch the full interview uh, with Jeremy Kyle too. He's joining Talk Radio next Monday at 4pm for the early evening show every single day, every single weekday from 4 until 7. Plus we'll be asking this question. Why would you want to freeze your eggs for 55 years? A bit odd, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. 
on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We seem as though we've been here before, don't we? We seem as if we've had to ask these questions time and time again. However, I don't think there's ever been a time when a Conservative government so backed by the people of this country with now, what, an 81-seat majority uh, in the Houses of Parliament returning today uh, for a brief two-week session before conference season. I don't think there's ever been a time when so many Tory MPs are so displeased with the way that things seem to be going, with the way that some policies are being ironed out, the way that Boris Johnson talks about being invincible talks about pushing ahead with raising taxes despite saying he wouldn't do it, pushing ahead uh, with COVID restrictions despite saying he wouldn't do it. Let's talk to Sir John Redwood, Conservative MP for Wokingham, and find out what he makes of it all. Sir John, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. I don't think I'm being unfair to the government or to Boris Johnson, am I, when I say that they appear to be in full flow, sort of betraying the voters? Well, let's see what they actually propose or want to do. There's been an awful lot of chat in the press. I hope a lot of it is wrong. Uh, I think it would be completely wrong to go back on our manifesto promise to keep income tax, VAT and national insurance rates down. I think it is quite wrong to impose a tax on jobs when you're trying to stimulate a job-rich recovery. And I think the first thing the Chancellor should do is tell the Office of Budget Responsibility he's absolutely fed up with all their very pessimistic and wrong forecasts. They exaggerated the deficit by £90 billion last year and didn't even say sorry. Mm. And then this year already, we're doing £26 billion better on the deficit year to date than they forecast. So why do we need to raise taxes when the recovery is working and it's bringing in a lot more tax revenue as people get back to work and earn more money. Yes. And more importantly for me, Sir John, surely the principle of conservative economics is that you give more money to the people who make the money in order for them to spend that money uh, for which you can then tax them once they've spent it rather than taxing it before they get it. Well, you give them more money, um, but you don't take as much away from them in, in terms of rate. The way to get more tax revenue out of the rich is to set tax rates in the United Kingdom that are competitive so the rich people and businesses invest here and create jobs here. That is what we need more of. It's been a very successful formula from Conservative governments in the past. Uh, I was proud to stand on a manifesto which ruled out any increases in income tax or national insurance. It was right then, it is right today. And I hope I've got a lot of colleagues with me. If, as I hear, the Labour Party doesn't like national insurance increase as well, I'm not quite sure how anybody in the Cabinet thinks they might get it through Parliament. Well, exactly right. And also, I'm slightly uneasy, as much as I'm aware that we need to fix the social care problem and we need to somehow make a system that works better than the one that we have now, I'm slightly uh, uneasy about subsidising a business which is largely privately run, privately owned, uh, and which is run for profit. So an awful lot of the people that own care homes are actually driving around in Rolls Royces, having a very nice time, thank you very much. Why are we going to subsidise them? Well, I think we need, first of all, from the government, a proper explanation of what they think the so-called crisis in social care is. I think there's a lot of very good social care going on. Um, there's a lot of public support for people who need social care and, and can't afford it. Uh, and there's a perfectly good system which all the major parties of this country have accepted or signed up to over all the time I've been in politics, which says that if you are an elderly person and you need to move into a care home for um, the, the last months of your life, uh, and you don't have other money, but you have a, a house or a flat, you sell that, uh, and that capital is used for your board and lodging costs 
the hotel costs in, in the place where you're going to live. I, I see nothing wrong with that settlement. Uh, and I, I find it very odd to call it a crisis now that suddenly people think that better off people have a right to inherit lots of money from their parents. Yes, I think I, I see your point. But equally, it seems a bit unfair, does it not, that if you have nothing, you effectively get the same care uh, than, if, than if you have something. And, and if you have that something, it will be taken away from you uh, in order to subsidise not only your care, but everybody else's. Well, Mike, I, I don't think you or I want to live in a world where because people have um, not undertaken very well-paid jobs or have had some bad luck or been ill during their working career, that then there's no provision for them in their old age. I think we accept a, a community responsibility that, that some people were not able to save and build up that buffer for their, their old age. And so we take care of them through, through state spending. But I also don't see that we should change the line which says that all those elderly people who can afford board and lodging should, like everybody else in society, pay for their own board and lodging. That's always been the system, and I see nothing wrong with that. Well, up to a point, I think it works in in, in practice slightly differently, doesn't it? Because, I mean, I don't want really to get too stuck on this, um, John, but the point is, is that if you've worked hard all your life and you've got a house that you own outright, which you would like to either leave uh, to one of your relatives or donate to the cat's home uh, uh, charity, whatever it is, surely that should be your choice rather than having that house taken off you. Now, I'm perfectly willing to accept that you should pay for your care, but should you be forced to sell your house? That doesn't seem fair. I don't, I don't think force is the right word. I mean, I, I was in exactly this position when, when my two elderly parents were no longer able to look after themselves and both needed to go into a care home. I helped them sell their flat. They weren't rich people. We sold their flat. And that enabled us to pay the fees of a really good quality care home. And that was their new accommodation. They didn't need the flat they were living in. It would have been crazy to leave that empty, paying the taxes and the maintenance bills on it. Uh, in the hope that one day I would then inherit it. I have no right to inherit it. We needed the money to pay for a really good quality yeah. of provision in their old age. What's wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I just think that in ev not in every single case is that uh, a suitable sort of settlement. You know, it's work for you, work for them, work for everybody. So that's fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest for a second that you shouldn't be able to do that. I'm just saying that there are other situations where people are, are sort of put into penury sometimes. There are, I mean, I've, I've heard stories, terrible stories from uh, el elderly women whose husbands have got dementia. Um, they're living in a house that they can no longer afford. They're having to pay uh, for, the, for the care that their husband needs, but they actually ha they are kind of cash poor. All they have is a house. No, well, they mustn't be driven out of their house. I was talking about a situation where... Um, either there's only one elderly parent left and they moved into a care home mm. or both elderly parents moved into the care home. They don't need the house and it would be crazy no, listen, to I get that. sit there empty. You yeah. know? No, I, I think that's know. the main principle we've been talking about. And that's why I'm quite a lot of my colleagues, not only against a national insurance rise because we, we think it's bad economically, but we don't understand the, the justice issue if, if that's the so-called care crisis. If the care crisis is about needing more people into the care sector with better wages and better paying conditions, then I think that is a case we need to listen to. And if that requires a bit more public expenditure, so be it, because we want high quality social care in our country. But again, you don't need a separate tax for that. We never had a system where you have this tax and it pays for this public expenditure item. We have a general pot of tax revenue. And the way to grow that pot of tax revenue faster, Mike, so that there is more money for better care workers pay or whatever 
is to have lower tax rates so you promote more economic growth and more better paid jobs. Yes, I certainly agree with that. What's become of Great British Boris is a headline in The Sun today. Trevor Kavanagh's column uh, basically says Boris Johnson's government is wallowing and adrift. Would you agree with that? No, I think that's a very harsh judgment because all this is about leaks and possibilities. I have no idea reading the newspapers or listening to the media who believes what uh, and what they're actually debating. But what, what I'm saying in advance of them coming to a conclusion is two things for the government. One, do not break your promises on tax. We need to promote faster economic growth. Two, if you really think there is a spending problem on care, set out what it is. Tell us why we need to spend more. Uh, and then if you're right, find that from within the general provision of taxation. And maybe uh, if it's quite a big sum, you're gonna to have to find something else in your current spending pl- plans that you don't need to spend on so urgently because mm. spending is about priorities. But I have to say, uh, Sir John, in previous Tory administrations, and uh, some of which you were involved with, there always was more of a clear kind of clear cut um, plan of action it seemed to me and a kind of direction of travel there doesn't seem to be a direction of travel here it's a kind of let's see how it goes type way of running something isn't it well again i think we're we're awaiting um full statements from the government what they're trying to do i think what what happened uh, mike was tragedy for the nation and for everyone uh, that um, a government which had got a big majority did the first thing it's meant to do which was to move forwards on brexit uh, then reached the point where it needed to set out four or five year plans for the parliament on improving services, spending tax, all that kind of thing. And COVID hit and it obviously took most of the energy and the actions of government over the last 15 months to respond to COVID and deal with COVID and get through uh, this really big hit to the economy that the anti-COVID measures inflicted in the first instance. So I think now I'm looking to the government to say, fine. Um, We know what we're doing on COVID. We're now managing a recovery from COVID. Uh, These are the directions of travel we want in in the leading areas. And I've set up a number where I think we need to do more. And they need to make more the levelling up agenda, for example. What does levelling up mean? I think levelling up should mean help for people to go on their own personal journeys of self-improvement, to set up their own businesses. And that requires, I think, tax cuts, not tax increases, to get into better paid jobs through more training and better education. Uh, to help them uh, into more responsible positions. that That's the kind of journey I think people want. I don't think levelling up should be increasing public spending on new community facilities town by town and think that's going to do the job. Uh, you need to do a bit of that where that's required, but it's really about individuals buying into a more conservative vision that they want greater freedom in their own lives, more of their own money to spend, Uh, and help so that they can go on a journey of self-improvement. Yes, and I think you've made a very good case there for what conservatism is supposed to be, uh, but which for some reason it isn't at the moment. Let me read you this from Paul in Badger's Mount, who says, please ask Mr Redwood, does he believe a third option for a centre or a centre-right party will emerge? We have the very left Labour Party, Johnson's lefty Tories who are socialists in blue suits, when are we going to get a decent choice? I see what he means there, because a lot of what you just described there about building communities and stuff, it's a very Labour-esque policy, that, isn't it? Well, I'm very committed to the Conservative Party. I stood as a Conservative candidate in the election. I am a Conservative MP, so I'm an optimist about my party, but it's my duty and the duty of others like me who were similarly elected to try and make sure the government comes up with a set of policies that reflect the values and the ambitions we put to the electors which gave us 
that majority. It's for others to decide how well we've done and to make their own dispositions in, in a democratic world. Yes, I agree with that. Stay with us, Sir John, if you would. I want to ask you some uh, questions about some of the missing um, workers out there at the moment, HGV workers, chefs apparently, cleaners, uh, care workers, as you mentioned before, programmers, nurses, all sorts of people missing from the economy. We're going to find out how to fix that as well. We're talking to Sir John Redwood, Conservative MP for Wokingham. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, now available, of course, on television as well. You know what to do. Go to talkradio.tv or just download the app uh, from the App Store, Talk Radio uh, TV, of course. We're talking to Sir John Redwood, Conservative MP for Wokingham, member of the COVID Recovery Group. Marcus Fish today, uh, Sir John, has said that he's not in favour of the extension uh, of the COVID emergency powers. Um, Would you be uh, in agreement with him? I'm in agreement with him. Yes, I've voted against these powers in the past. uh, And I think um, if the government is afraid that something's going to go wrong over the winter, Parliament would listen and act very quickly if we needed to uh, reinstitute something. I trust we won't need to, so I would like to see them lapse. Yes, and I think a lot of people would, would also like to see that happening as well. Let's just talk briefly before we have to let you go about the supposed sort of glut in, um, uh, or rather the opposite of a glut in, in, in job vacancies. Uh, so many jobs apparently unfilled at the moment, including HGV drivers. My understanding is there's a big, there's a lot of different reasons for this. It's nothing to do necessarily with Brexit. It's got a lot to do with the, the speed with which people can get themselves new HGV licenses for the DVLA. Some people can't get um medicals from their doctor, that kind of thing. What's what's your take on why we keep being told there's so few people doing these kind of jobs? Yes, we, we had a, a growing shortage of um, heavy truck drivers before COVID hit, and then COVID made it considerably worse. And it's something we can also see mirrored uh, in European countries and in uh, other parts of the world. Uh, I think it's a series of things that need sorting out. It's not just pay, although higher pay would obviously help. It's also conditions. Uh, I think it's about hours. I think it's about rest breaks. I think it's about facilities for long distance drivers when they've got to sleep overnight. uh, And they would obviously like some basic facilities to uh, wash and brush up and so forth. Uh, And I think it's the case that we've got an aging group of um, drivers who've done a great job for us over the years without having great conditions to recruit the new uh, group of people, to recruit the women, to recruit the younger men. They're going to have to do a lot better. So I've been urging the government to do what it needs to do, because I think part of it is COVID related. I think we did lose a lot of test capacity <clears throat> over the COVID months. Uh, and the government needs to ramp up the test capacity, because if the market's now saying to people, we're improving the conditions, we're going to pay you more. It's vital to get people through those training courses as quickly as possible. Yes, I think that's right. Um, because we also hear stories such as, for example, we had a pig farmer on the other day uh, saying that they're going to have to slaughter a load of pigs and, and, and not actually produce them for the market on the basis that they haven't got enough people to butcher them uh, because most of the people that used to do that were from Eastern Europe and they're no longer here. Why is it that some people in this country don't want to do certain jobs? Well, I think that there will be ways that they will want to. And I think it's good news that we've got so many job opportunities. It's now very important that employers work with the the pool of potential talent uh, and get to the point where the terms and conditions are acceptable and where the training is put in rapidly. And and it's something we've got to adjust to. It's not just our economy that's experiencing this. I I don't actually believe it's a 
a Brexit problem, the United States of America has a huge mismatch at the moment between the, the job adverts and, and the supply of labor. And quite a lot of people seem to have gone missing in mm. the uh, American job market. So it, it seems to be something to do with people wanting better conditions and reassuring that the employers are going to behave responsibly. Uh, and that's what we've got to work on. Yeah, I think there's a, quite a, a shortage of various different types of workers all over Europe, actually. So it's clearly not anything Brexit related. Um, but some people, including the CBI, are asking for the government to allow companies to hire people back in from the EU. Would you be in favour of that? Well, I'm much keener to crack the problem at home because I think there is a big problem and we've just been talking about it. Uh, and given, as you rightly say, there's quite a lot of shortages for these jobs on the continent as well. I'm not sure how successful it would be. Um, it seems to be the case that there's no longer that big supply of labour prepared to accept uh, conditions in terms of employment that are not very attractive to UK people. Mm. So I think it's better to solve the underlying problem, which is the terms and conditions. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, and I, is... so I, I favour also um, doing it on a collaborative basis, because I also believe businesses need to be profitable. But I think quite often you run a more profitable business by paying people better and having fewer, better motivated people with the right machinery to support them. So if you take the, the case of the haulage industry, um, good quality driving and fuel economy driving is very important to the truck owner. So shouldn't there be some kind of revenue share on that so that if somebody is a great driver and uh, doesn't use as much fuel and doesn't knock the truck about, there should be some kind of bonus for that so that both sides benefit. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Um, finally, Sir John, uh, back to school today. Um, everybody's supposedly going back to work. There's much, much more uh, traffic on the roads. There's many more people going back into offices. Parliament is no exception. Are you expecting a full house today? Well, I hope so. I think it's about time as one who wanted to see a proper parliament restored. Because whilst the, the staff did a great job and we were able to keep going with uh, Zoom and so forth, it isn't the same as actually having the noise and the weight of opinion in the chamber and the spontaneity of the chamber, which we clearly lost when we were doing it remotely. Yes, I think uh, we're all looking forward to a bit of uh, uh, toing and froing, and let's see whether Boris Johnson... Yeah, a um, bit of action. Yeah, a bit yeah. of action, a bit of, a bit of hurly-burly. And, and a, and a yeah, few, a few and a, sharp exchanges is what uh, yeah, we need. I think, I th and need some, to be kept to account. They absolutely do, and I'm hoping to see you doing that. I'm sure you will. So, John Redwood, thank you very much indeed. Conservative MP for Woking, a member of the COVID recovery group, of course, as well. First day back in Parliament today. We'll bring you... Uh, everything that happens there as it happens you won't miss anything uh, in case you're worried about that there will be prime minister's questions the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio time to say a very good morning to mr peter hitchens peter how are you morning i'm just worrying terribly about that poor money <laughs> and does money does money have feelings it has well, to be in a, in a hotel near heathrow for several weeks well this is it i mean under guard before you're allowed to touch it quarantine money is is a probably a major unexamined social problem. Well, I mean, I, I mean, there are not many things that surprise me, but I'd never seen uh, money that had been quarantined before. It looks very much like all sorts of other money. Um, it was very clean. It didn't look as if it had uh, been anywhere. It looked as if it had literally come straight off the printing machine. Yeah, there's a, there's a machine at Oxford Station which offers you quarantine money and, and much reassurance. <laughs> of course, as far as I know, the, 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 the whole idea that money could carry any paper money or, or, or metal money could carry any kind of serious infection uh, doesn't have much in the way of, of scientific uh, experimental support but a lot of people of course believe it and these days we have to cater for a population which believes all kinds of bizarre things so you can't really blame them uh, for, for, for saying their money has been quarantined 
Uh, who's going to check? I have to say. Yes. But it is. It's the whole problem of, of, of money is. It's quite interesting. I just feel under pressure. The way it's harder and harder to find people who will take cash. Mm. They look at you, particularly one of the few pubs I've been to since, this, since this, the regime softened, uh, was, was really very, very firm. No, we do not, absolutely do not take cash. We're not, no, we will not accept it. Of course, they have to do that because if they gave me the beer uh, and I then offered them cash, I'd be settling a debt, in which yes. case legal tender rules would apply and they'd have to accept it. But if they tell you in advance, then those rules don't apply and they can just refuse to serve you, yes. unless, you, unless, you unless you agree in advance to use a card. Let's just say, how much privacy do you have if every single thing you spend uh, is recorded by some computer? And how much control over your, over your, your personal assets do you have if in the end uh, they're all just a mass of electronic dots and dashes mm. in a computer which somebody else can adjust? I, I find this something extremely creepy about this development. I can't quite see what it has to do with COVID. Uh, it just seems to have accelerated very rapidly. I know some Scandinavian countries are actively aiming to be cashless societies. I know there have been all kinds of experiments with poor old Swindon trying to, to stop people from using cash. But I don't like it's Swindon for, for a start. I think it's very, it's, if you lose all your, your, your contactless card or it's stolen, yeah. after October the 15th, the maximum transaction is £100. So imagine the devastation that can be visited on your bank account in half an hour before you realise it's gone. And I, I, what will the banks do if you say that that wasn't me? Yeah. How are you going to settle it? Well, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, I know somebody, when they first brought in contactless payments, and there was a Pret, I think, somewhere near my old office, and somebody used to go in from our office to go and get stuff and inadvertently pay for other people's stuff by standing too near the uh, contactless machine. It was in his pocket. Yeah, um, and no. I think, I'm sure it's not as sensitive as that anymore. But, but I mean, a couple of things happened to me recently that I'll, that I'll share with you. I was at, um, I took my son to a driving range yesterday. We were hitting a few golf balls and, and uh, went to pay. And they, they don't take cash in this place. So I, I went oh, and I gave them my card. And they said, oh, sorry, the internet's down. I said, right. And they said, have you got any cash? I said, no. <laughs> and they said, I, they said, why, why? I said, well, I don't have cash when I come here because you told me you didn't take cash. So, you know, we were stuck and I couldn't no. pay them. No, well, I'm sure that, uh, but the, 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 I remember a, a couple of banks in the past 10 years or so have had quite long periods of being out, uh, with people having to get at their money. So again, if you're, if you're wholly dependent on electronic money transfers, uh, then you're, you're, you're very vulnerable to that. And I continue to point out that the, 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 the global warming frenzy uh, is almost certain to lead to power cuts in, in times to come. Mm. This is because of a thing called inertia. Only electricity generated by, uh, by gas or coal or hydroelectricity uh, or nuclear power actually provides this inertia. Without it, uh, particularly wind power, is terribly vulnerable to flip-flops on the system, which which can cause power cuts, such as the one which happened a couple of years ago, yeah. one summer's day. And when those happen, again, if everything's dependent on, on, on computer transfer and computers are wholly dependent on electricity, what will happen? Uh, it's extraordinarily vulnerable, leaving aside all the privacy things. But the, and then on top of that, of course, the, the government is going to make sure we have less money anyway. Right. Uh, well, they will uh, tax you some more. They, 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 well, here is the extraordinary thing. People are, are buying this line that, that what's happening is that they're increasing taxes to pay for social care. Right. It's, simple, it's simply not true. Just as the whole the phrase national insurance is a, is a, is a government lie. Mm. National insurance is just tax. Yeah. It doesn't go in, into a fund 
it just goes into the general pool of, of treasury money. And they spend probably a huge amount of it on what the government spends so much money on already, paying interest on its debt. Yes. So it doesn't actually go on, on, on paying for your pension at all. Uh, it's, it, and incre increasing it is a straightforward tax increase. And this, this will be... And here's another question which has been troubling me over the past couple of weeks. What's happened to the magic money tree? And for all the period of the advanced panic, uh, we were told, oh, the government can spend any amount of money it mm. likes. It doesn't matter. All this rubbish about inflation and everything else. It's, in there. it's all made up by pessimists. There's nothing to worry about. There's no limit on what government can spend. Suddenly now, we're told, no, we have to balance the books. If we're going to spend more money on social care, we've got to get it from you. So what happened to the magic money tree? Why has it suddenly stopped bearing fruit? Why does it suddenly matter now they have to balance the books? Because it always mattered. And because what this actually is, is the beginning of a long period of inflation, higher tax, and, and diminished and, and uh, declining services uh, to pay for the, the, the panic of the past mm. 18 months. That's well, what they're risking. They'll disguise it as, as they like, and people may believe them, but they shouldn't do. Uh, we are in, in considerable financial doo-doo, and, uh, and this is one of the, the early signs of it. There's more to count. Well, quite. I mean, perhaps the magic money tree has withered and died due to climate change or due to the amount of money we're spending on climate change or something like uh, that. It, the truth is it never existed. They just pretended that it was it was going to be cost-free because it suited them politically. But they all know, right? I, I see Adam Toos, that fine historian, has, has published a new book on exactly how the uh, the governments and, the, and their, their central banks manipulated mm. the, 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 the whole economic system of the world during this. Uh, to make it look as if everything was okay. But you look at it and you think, it's the most extraordinary tightrope walking performance. It really wouldn't take much to, 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 to upset it. And people say, well, there's no, there's no inflation. Well, actually, there is inflation. The real inflation statistic of the government, or well, the nearest one to reality, the old retail price index, the RPI, is going up. Uh, the price of almost everything that I buy seems to go up all the time. That doesn't reflect necessarily in, in, in the index. Now taxes are going up. And what do you get in return for your money? Particularly if it comes from the state. The, 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 the state of the, of the GP system, uh, the primary care system of the National Health Service, is now a national scandal. And there was a beautiful cartoon uh, by Matt Pritchard in Telegraph last week of a man meeting another man saying, yes. I, don't, I don't seem to recognize you. You must be my GP. That's right. Well, I mean, and it comes to something, doesn't it? People have their GPs now. It's, 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 no. A, well, you know... Well, Others just don't see them. It, the GP system has more or less collapsed. Yes. And, and, and none of this money is going to solve that. No, of course not. But, of course, you know when things have gone badly wrong, when the Secretary of State for Health actually issues an addictive and instruction to GPs, would you please see more patients? I mean, you know, that's their job, isn't it? I mean, literally, I don't know if I, you, I, spent, I mentioned this to you before, but I was sent a, a sign that was sent to me from outside of a GP surgery a couple of weeks ago, which actually said these words... If you are feeling unwell, please do not enter. Uh, yeah. Instead, please make a telephone call and the doctor will talk to you over the phone. And a lot of people end up on 111 or whatever it is. And it, it, it not, again, getting telephone consultations. And, and this can go seriously wrong. I, it, but it is a major decline. And while one looking at this, we're constantly told, oh, well, if we spend more and more billions of pounds, particularly during the Blair-Brown era, yeah. spend more and more billions of pounds, we can have a health service which is, which is genuinely the envy of the world, which ours currently I don't actually think is. No. It doesn't work because there's something wrong, it seems to me, with the whole shape of the system. And certainly in this case, I, I've heard GPs saying that there are so many people leaving the profession 
that there was bound to be a crisis soon. And I think the, the COVID panic accelerated it. But without the, the GP frontline, then people will have to start doing as they do in, in many poorer countries, which is starting at the, at the chemists with the pharmacist. Uh, to try and get some sort of uh, first-line diagnosis. But it's simply, pharmacists are very good, but they're not trained doctors, and it simply isn't as good a shield. And we will, as a result, get many more people developing uh, diseases and conditions, which if they'd been treated quickly, could have been dealt with, but having been neglected, are not. And so it will feed on itself and become worse. I, I just don't get the feeling uh, that we have saved the NHS. No, we've certainly not saved it. In fact, uh, you know as well as I do, Peter, that as winter approaches, there will be yet another crisis, you know, the yeah. 20th in a row, at which we will be told we've only got, you know, this and many hours to save it, or, you know, we must do this in order to stop overwhelming it. You know, we mustn't go anywhere. We mustn't do anything. I've got a, t a text here from Chile who says, I've just stood in the rain outside my GPs for a prescription for the past 30 minutes due to them not being able to find it and they're not allowing us into the practice. <sighs> I mean, I you just despair, don't you? I'm afraid you do, and, I, and, and there, are, there, there are other cases which come across my desk of, of people who say who were unable to get a proper diagnosis early. In, 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 in one particular case, which has been quite well publicised, I won't go into it here, but in one particular case, the person involved died in agony, yeah. uh, having not having been inadequately diagnosed. It, it is it is a serious difficulty. So if they go to demand the other problem, which the government faces, of course, is that they specifically promised that they would not increase national insurance. Uh, it was something they actually said, and it, they put it in, in the Prime Minister's name. He actually said, I will not do this, and not just in buried on page 94 of the manifesto, but right on the special promise card on the front, sort of Blairite thing, these mm. are the things we will and won't do. I will not do this. Mm. I don't think that electorates forgive this no. sort of thing. And I, I think they're playing with very, very hot fire. Yes. Well, I was saying to Julian this morning... What happened to the Liberal Democrats yeah. when they... When, when they Absolutely, they're finished. I mean, I said this to Julian this morning because, because the style of, of, of their now... Um, policy changing it used to be at least a little bit nuanced. It used to be they used to kind of disguise slightly the fact that they told a lie and they now were going to do something completely the opposite. But now they don't seem to care. They just, I mean, literally yesterday, I don't know if you saw him, uh, Nadine Zahawi was on two different interviews, one with Times Radio and one with Sky, in which he said two completely different things. One, uh, he said that, you know, no 12 year old would be able to get a vaccine without their parents' consent. And then he yeah. said the complete opposite um, it's a Sky. No, it is, it, but, but maybe he, he, he's genuinely confused himself. I, it's, I, I, one does often get the impression that ministers are not the people taking the decisions anyway. Yeah. So perhaps no one had told him what the, the spin doctors and the back engine machinery of government had decided to do. And he was rung up between the two interviews and told, but I, presumably the, the, the second thing he said will turn out to be the, the correct one. Mm. But I certainly don't get the impression that, 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 that all ministers are kept fully briefed. In the, in the Blair era, of course, there were famous instances where, 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 where poor... Blair was put up at some press conference and, and, and opened it and closed his mouth like a goldfish, as usual. And eventually, uh, Alistair Campbell had to say, it's all right, Prime Minister, we haven't told you about that yet. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's, it's rare that you have a government where, it's the, where the Prime Minister doesn't actually know what's going on. But the, the backroom machinery of this government, is, which is not accountable, is, is, is probably at least as powerful as most ministers and more powerful yeah. than many of them. So they may have some trouble finding out what it is they have decided to do. But in, in the midst of all of this madness, Peter, and I don't know what your view is about 12-year-olds getting vaccinated, but um, for, the, for the JCVI to come out and basically say, um, if we were simply talking about the welfare of children, we will not recommend it. However, there may be other considerations. So basically they're now telling us that because of COVID, there are considerations which might be more important 
than the welfare of our own children. Very interesting document, the JCVI document. I, I, I read it this morning, and it, it pretty much invites the medical officers of the four parts of the United Kingdom to take the decision for them. Yeah. Because they, they, I think it would it, be fascinating to know how they actually decided on that form of work. Mm. But it looked to me as if they felt that probably a decision was coming which they themselves couldn't think of any medical reasons for. Uh, but they they had almost certainly accepted in their minds that there would be strong political pressure for it to happen anyway. Yeah. So they might as well leave it leave it open that they could say what they could say and then leave a, a, a great big hole in it through which the government could drive its... Yes, could, could, yes but in order to do that, they have to, right. they, they've had to more or less abrogate their responsibility as medics. Yeah, but it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting about government. What is, if, if experts are to be listened to, and this was the expert body set up to advise the government on this, but the experts themselves in this recognise as they write their advice that it's not going to be taken. Uh, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Well, it really is because they are effectively, as I say, giving the government permission to do something which may not be in the best interests of our children, but it may well be a better thing to do for the rest of society. I find that an extraordinary choice. Well, it looks like people covering their backs to yeah. me, but, and indeed covering their fronts in mm. this case as well. I, but that is the way in which these things are done. Now, it, if we really do, as I said, if we really do have this reverence for experts, which everybody keeps telling me I don't have, and they do, right. uh, then surely the JCVI are the experts. Yeah, well, they're not the right kind of experts, I'm afraid. We're going to bring Sorry, some right, more experts I keep, in. I keep, I, keep, I keep mingling with the wrong kind of experts. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit, Peter, about your uh, apology from the BBC. Uh, Radio 4 documentary uh, about an alleged chemical weapon attack in Syria. This, this was written about in the Mail yeah, on Sunday. I, I mean, it wasn't an apology so much as an admission. I think uh, the, and it wasn't, it was only very partly to me. I mean, I, I was particularly worried because of a, a, a source of mine uh, who, had, uh, who had been extremely worried about things that were going on with the United Nations poison gas watchdog, the OPCW, and had thought that the uh, th their uh, reports had been doctored, and he—he he, he is a scientist of some, uh, of high, highly qualified scientist, and I, I can tell you from experience, a totally unpolitical person. And he really is not. He doesn't have politics at all. His, mm. What drives him is the search uh, for scientific truth. That's why he has been such a very good inspector for the for the organisation for the prohibition of chemical weapons over a very long time, and he—he he was quite upset. Uh, to discover that he was being portrayed in this program that was having quite possibly been influenced by the prospect of financial reward. And WikiLeaks had offered a financial reward, not for what he did, but for something else. Um, but they, as it happens, and I checked with them, they've never paid any such reward. Uh, my source certainly says he, he wasn't motivated by it and, uh, and, and hasn't received any. And yet the program insinuated that this could have been his motive. They didn't say it directly. And then they also said that he had, that he he believed that the that the events in Douma in Syria about which the report was written had been staged. Now, this is a completely unscientific thing for anybody to say. And there are people who believe that, and that's their business. Mm. But the, the, what he was saying was that what the evidence that he had seen did not support uh, the conclusions of of of, uh, of an official document which had been produced by a reputable body. A completely different thing than making a, a totally unprovable. Uh, frankly, wild and unscientific claim, which I also have never made uh, and would not make, that the event was staged, and that it belittles him in the eyes of, in, in the eyes mm. of the public who don't know what he does or who he is. So I felt it was necessary to defend him. And there was also this, 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 this 
again, insinuation that, uh, that he, he talked to journalists who shared the views of the Syrian and Russian governments. So basically, it's, again, insinuating that, that what he was dealing with was, was, was people who were in some ways not necessarily in the pay of, but certainly in cahoots with uh, the, the governments of these two unpleasant tyrannies. Yes. Well, I don't know, neither he nor I are anxious to do anything to help the Russian or the Syrian governments. Uh, it, and it's it's just a it, it's a it's a smear, yeah. basically. Yeah, and this this again, this insinuation was made, and it wasn't. There was no basis mm. for it. But more importantly, uh, that, that, was the, that was the one against me. I I just think I mean, what what I would say to the BBC. I mean, the program itself is fascinating. I say, I recommend people to listen to the program about, against which I complain because a lot of it is, is is extremely interesting stuff which you won't find anywhere else. It's a good long listen, but. What it doesn't do is, is give any scope at all to the possibility that the, 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 the supposed chemical weapons attack in Duma in, in April 2018 might actually not have, uh, not have been as stated, which seems to me to be a major story comparable to the non-existence of Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass mm. destruction. And it doesn't, I don't mind them being, being sympathetic to other views on this. That's, they're entitled to do that, especially if it's open. What I do most is not giving a fair crack to any other opinion and treating people who have a, a different assessment in that way. And I'm very glad that the BBC, and it's extremely rare for them to do so, uh, their executive complaints unit, with whom I've had many, many correspondences, extremely rare for them to do, have actually uh, put their hands up to this and said they shouldn't have done it. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a major victory for the cause of truth. Well, it is, but it also is quite slightly troubling, is it not, um, that they uh, admit, basically, that their investigative journalists, and we're talking about Radio 4 here, which is supposed to be their sort of flagship, you know, serious news station, um, did not meet the corporation's editorial standards for accuracy and reported false claims. I mean, that's very troubling. Well, again, not, not, it was in, there were insinuations rather than direct claims. Um, and yes, and people do this sort of thing. I don't, it's not, I don't, I, 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 I'm not anxious to have any kind of vendetta against the, the reporter or the people involved. I, people get things wrong. What I'm anxious to do is to get the BBC to accept that their reporting of the whole Syria business has up till now been partial and, uh, and inadequate. And I, 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 when I saw what they'd said on this program, I thought, well, that, they cannot justify this. I know these things to be untrue. Mm. I, I know them. I didn't think they were untrue. I didn't disagree with them about an opinion they'd expressed. I knew that what they were insinuating wasn't the case. Right. And I thought, well, if, if, if they are serious about self-government, uh, and if they're serious about regulating themselves, as they claim to be, then they will have to admit that on this occasion they got it wrong. And in doing so, will have to be a rethink. And, and I, that's why I've plugged away at it. I've been plugging away since November. And uh, there were points where I thought they'd completely forgotten the, the complaining system. Mm. And suddenly, uh, last week, they came back and said, yep, uh, you're right. Really? And I, I have to say, I, you know, I, I didn't expect this to happen because the BBC's performance on such things in the past has been very poor. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I really am not trying to be, to, to be vindictive against the, any, any of the people involved. The programme was in many ways good and is a good listen, but on those things it was severely wrong. And if they can recognise that, then maybe they can reform their reporting of the Syrian issue, which is actually hugely important. Yes. Because it, there is a grave danger that, the, that, that if, if we get Syria wrong, it will drag us 
into what could be another Middle Eastern war and worse than that. Yeah, absolutely right. Peter, we've got to run, I'm afraid. Thank you very much indeed, as ever. Fascinating stuff. Peter Hitchens, Man on Sunday columnist, of course, uh, man of many parts and, of course, many opinions. And that's what we do here at Talk Radio. We have lots of opinions. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, as you all know, uh, over the course of the weekend, uh, we have been telling you all that uh, Jeremy Kyle is joining Talk Radio. He is coming here uh, as of next Monday. He's going to do the show from four until seven. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to be great news for him. It's going to be great news for us. Hopefully great news for you as well. I interviewed Jeremy before uh, the return of Jeremy Kyle. Let's have a watch of it. Welcome to Talk Radio TV and welcome to a very special guest, not only on Talk Radio TV, but soon to be on 
Talk Radio TV. He is the one and only Mr Jeremy Carl. Jeremy, very good uh, afternoon to you. Thank you, Mike. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm so delighted to be sitting here because um, what I understand from amongst many other things that I don't know about you is that you've hardly ever been interviewed by somebody and I've been given the job of actually interviewing you. How are you and feeling? Finding out, I'm, fe I'm feeling a little bit nervous. No, you'll be fine. You know, because, you know, people see you as Jeremy Carl, the man from the Jeremy Carl show. But of course... You're so much more than that, and you've been so much more than that. Um, and it's been a bit of a weird couple of years. It has. It Tell has. us about it. Well, listen, um, you're right. And, and interestingly for me, Talk Radio TV, which is a, a fantastic concept and the right one to come back to, radio was where it started all those years ago, 15, 20 years before I ever got on that, that screen. And as a, as, a, as a medium, I think it's fantastic. Yep. The last two and a half years, as we, I'm sure, are all aware, and I knew you'd ask about that, uh, the show finished yes. after 14 years, rather suddenly. Um, and to supersede you, and I'm just being straight, because you know um, I'm really excited about joining here. When I can talk about what needs to be addressed, I will do it. But yeah. for now, um, that's not possible. But um, there will be lots of people who will ask us lots of questions. Yeah, sure. Because as you prepare to join the greatest radio station on the planet, right, and also the fastest growing one, by the way. Quite so right, too. That, that's why I'm coming. just the right yeah, time. Thank because you Because you're going to turbo boost Timing. Us. Yeah, timing yeah. is everything, as, as you would say. But people want to know about who the real Jeremy Carl is. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I guess you, you, you do a show for a long time and, and are you a character? Is, is a lot of it you, some of it you... Um, you know, essentially, the last two years have given me a chance to reflect, I think, to be honest, but mm -hmm. um, it was sudden. Um, there's lots behind what happened, which, as I said, will come out. I think initially, I think I was... I, I think I suffered from real shock. Yeah. I, think, I think when something becomes a routine almost every day of your life. So I remember a couple of weeks after it finished uh, and, I, and I'd sort of been really down and I, and I went to the loo at four o'clock in the morning and I looked out the window... And there was a car there with a driver and I thought, God, I'm late for work. And mm -hmm. then I suddenly thought, that's not for me. My whole life for 14, 15 years was to the day, to the time, and suddenly that's all gone, mm. right? You think about the people that are associated with the show, all the people that worked on the show, you have that. You know, you think, my God, what are they doing? They've got mortgages to pay, whatever. That plays on your conscience. And suddenly you're in this place where you think, God, I, I, ugh, I was just doing my job. I was working hard. I did what everybody said. And, OK, the world finishes. 15, 15 years is a good run. I think it was the suddenness of it, mm. but that, that, that caused me to sort of... And then you get through the summer. I got through the summer. I, more kids than Boris Johnson, apparently. But I got through the summer and I... And, I, and then... The low point was sort of September when they all went back to school and everybody yeah. went back to work and yeah. suddenly the nights are getting shorter and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to yeah. do today? Because you, know? you didn't just have a job. I mean, you had a very high-profile job. Yeah. Um, you were on television every day. You also filmed four shows in a row, right? Four so or you, five a day. So um, you're talking about working, what, 12-hour days? Yeah, 12, 14-hour days on screen and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not... I'm not I'm <laughs> Not sitting here saying compared to working in a factory and scraping together enough to, to put the food on the table for your kids, it's not hard work. No, but what but I mean I is, grafted, going... I worked yeah, yeah. as hard as one had to, you know. But what I mean is to go from that to not doing anything at all. Oh, that, that you was, know. do you know what? That was one of the biggest things. What do I do today? Yeah. Two years down the line, I've found there's plenty to do, you know. Yes. And I think from that sort of low point, you know, you look, I remember looking out the window of my house and thinking, what do I do now? What, mm. what, I'm, I'm 54 and I, I, I don't feel like I don't know what to do. Right. And you're not and done. I, and you feel like you're not done. You worry, are you done forever? You think, will I be able to come back? What? Everybody's shouting it. There's press on the door. There's people saying this, that and the other. You don't want to go out. Mm. Curtains are shut. People are writing this, saying that, doing whatever. And, and, and then you sort of get stock. And I'm really... Listen, I'm, I'm just being totally straight with you. I said I would be. 
I have the love and of an amazing woman in Vicky and, and without her and without my kids and my family, really just giving me a sense of that was the most important thing. And I'm not saying it wasn't in the past, but when you're working, whether it was in America or here, non-stop, I think you, you sit and you take stock. Suddenly, of course, it's Christmas, and then Vic gives birth to our, our son Oliver, and, and everything changes. Great really. name, Oliver. Well, I have one called Oliver. Do you? Yes. Oliver William Robin Kyle has yeah. quite literally changed my life, and my two boys and my, and my three daughters have been a real focus. And suddenly, you know... They're you great, aren't they? Oh, they make you feel as though you have a purpose, actually. Do you know somebody once said, what, what would be your legacy? Mm. And I went... As a dad, if if, if I can't yeah. if I can say that I'm really happy. Yeah. Um, he was born, um, and suddenly then there's a pandemic, and suddenly I'm looking out the same window thinking, Kyle, get your head out your backside. At the end of the day, you know, so you lost a job, you worked hard at, you feel sorry for a lot of people, but there's people dying. Well, that's and suddenly right. I'd, I'd had a lockdown for six months before we went yeah. into lockdown, so I was I don't know. So we're going to talk it. about lockdown. We're going to talk about COVID. But tell me this: the day that you found out what had happened. What was that day like? What, the show had gone? Yeah. I think you're sort of... You feel peripheral. You feel like it's not you. You're reading this stuff, you're seeing it on the television, you're hearing all these comments. Um, I'm not stupid. Um, we did a show for 15 years. Yes, of course it had its critics. You know that. This radio station has its critics. Yeah. You have critics and I'll have critics when I start this radio station because we have opinions, A lot of right? people hate what we do. So, in many ways, you know, here we are together, but, 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 I mean, proving I them wrong, well, of actually. Course, but, but also, if you stick your head above the parapet and you're not beige, right, you think everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, Mike Graham, Jeremy Carl, they're fantastic. 50% are going to go, Mike Graham should be Prime Minister, and 50% are going to go, he shouldn't even be on this earth. So, for me, it was a really reflective time. Oliver gave me a, a reflection, then COVID, of course, but I felt like I was, I was better placed, as that happened, mm. to sort of, um, I don't know, deal with it, um, and then, and then, you know, uh, my dad, who is my hero, was my hero. We lost him six weeks ago and um, he was ill and he was... I mean, the tragedy for him was he survived COVID in an old people's home. By the way, can I just say, sorry, people who work in care homes, I understand that we clap the NHS and quite rightly, people in care homes are phenomenal for what they mm. did during, during the COVID. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, really unbelievable. Yeah. Under um, some incredibly difficult circumstances. Mate, in Dad's care home, people would take a whole month over Christmas, not see their family to care for mm. people. He started falling. And I was with him. I, I saw him or called him every day for two years. Were you able to get in to see him? Because some they people let weren't. Me, we, we were lucky. Um, but they did something, actually. This is, this is, they built a room with glass so he could sit the other side of the glass and I'd be outside but inside. It was amazing. Mm. Um, and he was strong and he got weaker and weaker and he started to fall and we came out of COVID and we did a bucket list. Um, and one of the reasons that it's taught radio for me and one of the reasons that I've come back now is he said to me, um, go back to work. Go and... Go, go and You've been sitting here... Yeah. I remember him saying, you've been sitting here for two years telling me everything you want to talk about. Go and do it. And, and he passed and it was, it was horrible, but it was also... Um, it was a moment, really. And you were there. I, um, he died in my arms and I laid him out. Mm. I did. That must and, have been uh, hard. It was, but at the same time, um, I'm really proud of what I did. And I'm not. I, I'm just being honest. I, I didn't do too well at the funeral, but um, no, I hope he. I, you know, God rest his soul. I hope he would be proud of what we did. And he and he had honestly. He, you talk about sense of humour, and he'd be the embodiment of everything that, that I stand for. Really, just yeah. old fashioned. Didn't understand what woke meant. Yes. 
He said to me once, he said, isn't that what your mother used to cook noodles in? Yeah. Said, no, not at all, Dad, no. But this is the thing, I mean, there's a generation of people, my father was similar, probably slightly older, who died some time ago. Um, just unbelievable people. Let me ask you what the best piece of advice was that you were ever given by your father. Life is full of problems. There's always a solution. It's just that the bigger the problem, the longer that it takes to find an answer. But if you get your head down, you'll get there. That's one back. Just seems the right time, you know. And I've I've listened to this radio station. You know I've listened to you and Julia. And I just I just I like the fact that there's a, a huge amount of honesty and directness and it's about people. Yeah. It's not about winning. And we dressing. encourage people to disagree with us. I mean, of course. Tell me about the day um, when you had to tell um, your partner that you were no longer a TV star. She was with me. But but Vic would say Vic would say, well, and didn't she think, you know, that, that, that's very sad, but let's get on with life. The most practical person I've ever yeah. met in my life. What do you say about Vic and I? She is the most practical person in the world. If I lose a pair of socks, I'm a nightmare, right? She's just the most amazing balance for me. Mm. We have tried to get married five times, but it keeps being cancelled. Why? Because of COVID. You've been in battles, haven't you, over time? I mean, you had the cancer yeah. battle. Yeah. Uh, you've had this battle. Um, you're about to Listen, enter. seven seven years, you know, the show in America went. Uh, I had cancer. I had a very horrible divorce, uh, you know, the show. So you're a survivor. I lost my mum, I lost my dad. Yeah, I don't think, you know, they go... I think perspective's really important, Mike. Like I said to you earlier, it would be possible for the first few months when it all finished to feel sorry for myself. But that goes into complete mm. perspective when the pandemic hits, doesn't it? And also, I'm really, really lucky. And I feel, I feel, genuinely, I mean this, I feel very blessed to have this opportunity. So... You're not going to do the Jeremy Carl show on talk. No, radio. no, 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 no. And that's what, what I said. Radio was my first love, and and, mm. and as a as an opportunity to talk about whatever, everything that's happening in the world, engaging people all over this wonderful country of ours. Not scared to say, actually, we disagree with that, or we believe in this, or just because it's not right to say that. That's what we think. That's for me what makes talk radio unique, and that's what for me makes talk radio the absolute right place to come and and and, and come again. And, and and really very excited about it. Listen, the first time I heard you on the radio. It was almost an accidental experience. Because oh, God, what does that mean? It means that when you were at Talk Sport, as I was, uh, I happened to listen to it on a Sunday afternoon. And I knew you as the Jeremy Carl from television, and, you know, I didn't know you then. And I thought, this guy's great. Oh, I really enjoyed nice, it nice because, because it was engaging. Because I think the thing about radio is that you can't be somebody else on radio. You can only be yourself. But that's, that's, you that's, can only I mean, be yourself. That's the absolute point, that, that I now, free of, you know what one has to do when one's got a certain amount of time or this, whatever. I can talk about yeah, things. And right. people won't always agree with us. People might stand up and spend their lifetime in our face saying, you're wrong. Mm. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray. On Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Jeremy Carl is joining us, of course, the home of common sense. Why not uh, have somebody else uh, who speaks sense on this very radio station? He's going to be here uh, as the new host from four till seven, kicking off on Monday. Let's have a listen uh, and a watch to the second part of the interview. What about all of the other things that have been happening while you've been away, as it were, right? right. Harry and Meghan. Mm. What have you got to say about them? Well, you know, my old man worked for the royal family for 40 did he? years. Yeah, he did. He worked for the Queen Mother. Um, he'd have been an interesting one um, to ask you about. I always saw her, I'm sorry if this is politically unfair or whatever, I always saw her as a sort of Z-list Z actress yes. from America who was going to come over um, 
fall in love with this obviously insecure young man, have two kids, go back to America and become, I don't know, famous that way. Mm. I'm amazed that the young boy who was in the military, who seemed to hold dear everything that I think is great about this country, I'm a monarchist, that's the way I am. I can't, you know, I'm not going to apologise for that. You well, we are be. a monarchy. Sorry, yes, absolutely. for those of you who don't and, like and, it. And my biggest thing about those two is this, right? This is my biggest thing. I absolutely accept if you want nothing whatsoever to do with the royal family. You don't want any money, you don't want any civil list, you want to go and live in California, right? Don't tell us it's for privacy and then sell your soul mm. to Netflix and Spotify for $100 million. That's ludicrous. It really is. And it's his hypocritical. Form, and his four more books, by the way, that we're going to... Yeah, yeah, uh, quoted by somebody the, else. But, the but last Piers, book, my good mate, obviously he gave an opinion, gone. Yeah, but also, you know, uh, the last book they're going to write, they're going to wait for the Queen uh, to pass on so that they can write some real stuff about the person who has been an absolute um, rock. rock for this, this country, country. will never know. Not until, for when, just this country, until, but Until she passes, I don't think the world will know how amazing this woman has been. I think she's a, a phenomenon. I just, I'm disappointed in Harry. I'm not, not in the slightest bit shocked by her. No. I think he's got a real battle on his hands to ever curry favour in this country ever again. I really do. I think he's going to struggle with that because yeah, yeah. people have really gone against him. And I think partly, as you say, you would expect an actress who was not exactly the most well-known person in the world to act like she does from California. That's where she's from. Just, but you don't expect him to act like that. I just, I wasn't surprised, but for him I was, I was really surprised, mm. to be honest. And, no. I, and I respect enormously. Listen, it's not about people saying, oh, she's not the right star. You look at Kate Middleton. What well, a fantastic when, when she, job that girl's done. When she first done. married into the family, yeah. she was thought to be... A little bit on the sort of, you they know... They joked about her family, their yeah. upper middle class and all that. I think Kate Middleton's a shining example. Absolutely. I think she loves Prince William. And, and for me, the monarchy is in safe hands. In fact, you know, there is an argument that it should bypass Charles and, I go, think it should. and go straight to William and I Kate. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, but no, and what real a tonic time that would them. be for the country to have... But then, of course, then think about it from Charles's point of view, because I'm a royalist. You spend all your life waiting for the job that you're born to do. If you say anything, you're an interfering idiot. And if you say nothing, you're taking advantage and you don't have any reason for being yeah. I quite like the bloke actually I'm, I'm, I think he I think he's obviously made mistakes as we all have but I, I think he probably yeah, deserves I quite like you time. Jeremy but I don't necessarily think you should be the next king really yeah oh okay I mean I mean you know with all with all uh, good intentions I'll make you that. prime minister okay then Fair let's talk about him shallow. let's talk about Boris Johnson yes uh, he's a very polarising figure. He is a polarising figure. I, I, I always said um, when I wasn't working, I, I really couldn't understand how Dominic Cummins took such credit for the general election victory, which, by the way, was phenomenal. But it was based on, to me, something that was so simple. So you, you have this, are we going to leave Europe? And 51, somebody's going to say, 51 point, I don't care. A majority of people said we yeah. want to leave Europe. We're not having seven more. That's what's happening. And then if you're standing for election, this is what happens. The Liberal Democrats say, well, actually, basically, we're not going to do anything that the British people have want. We're going to absolutely go against it. Yeah. Well, they're not going to get voted for, are they? We know best. The Labour Party are going to go, we haven't worked out yet. We might do this and we might do that. Boris Johnson, it's not political brilliance went, we'll just do what the British people want and 51% will vote for me. Yeah. I just wish he'd have a haircut. I'm not sure about the, the lack of detail and all that. I think he might be one of those politicians that's there at a time to get something done. I'd be interested to see how long he lasts for. But of course, he's quite. I think he's quite a political manoeuvrer. And I think he's quite oh, a, he a manipulator. And Rab's in trouble now because of Afghanistan. Yeah. And it strikes me that he, not things fall into, I think he's probably good behind the scenes. He's very good at avoiding the bus, yeah. which other people seem to fall under. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's what he's good at. The big story is, well, as well as, as COVID, which we'll talk about in a second, um, Afghanistan. 
I mean, what an absolute horror show that turned out to be. Do you know what? I'm not even. I'm not even going to lie. Obviously, they did what they did 20 years ago to to rid the world of ISIS. And and I mean, those appalling pictures. I mean, and those stories of you know interpreters and people who have worked for the British and the Americans fearing for their lives. Mm. You know, there will be people who say, well, if we didn't interfere in the world, this wouldn't happen. There will be others who say you have to do the, you know, you have to do what's right. Yeah. Perhaps, I mean, that, all of those figures are shocking. Did you see that picture? I'm looking at my watch on the screen. Did you see that picture of Joe Biden? Yes. I looking at it. his watch when the well, 13 it... bodies of those American yeah. servicemen were being flown back. I, I honestly think that this, uh, listen, I'm, but I think he'll be gone by Christmas. I think he's dreadful. And I think um, a lot of people looked at that and just thought, how could you? I mean, does just, the Donald run again? The Donald will be back. I'm pretty sure of that. And uh, I would like to see that. I, 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 I just honestly, I, that fascinates me. Mm. You know, when people, uh, and I'm not, I'm not a Donald Trump fan, I'm not a Joe Biden fan, right? I'm not nailing my colours on any mask. But we should never forget in the last US presidential election, this should tell you something about Americans. 75 million people, that's more than the people in this entire country yeah. voted for Donald. It's quite unusual to get that many votes and still lose. Yeah, no comment. Mm. You've got children, you've said. Um, yes. One of the big uh, bugbears for me is the vaccination rollout, how it went from being something that would rescue us from COVID for the vulnerable people, for the over 60s, for then the over 50s, then the over 40s. Now they're talking about vaccinating your 12-year-old. What do you say about that? I think the message from the government should be that that uh, if you're double vaccinated, you might get it, but you're not going to die from it. That's a fact in terms of numbers. Mm. I know people who, I mean, I'm double vaccinated. I know people who refuse to have it still. I don't understand. I'm just being straight with you. If a million people in the world have died, why would you not have the, mm. the vaccination? Well, what, but then I've never understood. My son, actually, this is very interesting. My son, Henry, is 12 and a half. So at 12 and a half, he doesn't have to wear a mask. Mm. But a day later when he's 13 or between 11 and 12, he does. Mm. So, so at what point? But I'm still confused about if I go into a restaurant. Yes. I was at a restaurant the weekend. You wear a mask to go and you sit down at the table, you take your mask off. That so at what point between the door yeah. and the table can you... Well, I, you know what? I don't go to restaurants and do that. You don't wear a mask? No. Have you not worn a mask at all? I know I did. I wore it until they said it was no longer a legal requirement. And then I would only Are you wear double it. jabbed? Uh, I'm not going to tell you that because I don't believe I should give away my personal medical information. So, well, well, fair enough. Well, I, you've made me give it away. I'm double yeah, jabbed. but I'm very good at interviewing people. All right. Well, I'm not. I mean, you know, that's fine. You can say it. A lot of people don't mind saying it. I don't wish to give that information away. This is the great joy of what we do. Of you course. know, you don't have disagree to disagree like with me. You don't disagree you don't with me. To... Come on, say why you disagree. I've got an opinion. You've got a team. We might agree. We might disagree. Is that not the essence of democracy? It absolutely is. That's why this this is. And it. that's one of the things that worries me the most, actually, about what's happened um, in the time when you've been away. And this is why I'm happy to welcome you back to the fight, because in Thanks, the end, mate. we've developed a culture where you are shouted down, a culture where an MP was writing stories in newspapers, basically naming and shaming people that he thought were, in his words, COVID deniers, who were simply people like me, like Julie Hartley Brewer, who were asking questions. You know, you apparently ask questions? now they don't like it if you ask a question. But if you don't, look, you can ask a question about anything, can't you? It's the people that don't ask the questions yeah. that annoy me. Yeah. So I said to you about voting. That's your right. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, in a democracy, you should be able to do and say, well, not do, you should be able to ask and say what you want. If you don't like the response, you then throw your toys out mm. of the pram. So I said, listen, I've been cancelled. Yeah. In this world, it seems now that unless you follow a certain path, you're labelled. Yes. And I know. And we will fight. You have to fight that because I, this is what I think. I don't know what you think. But, but, but Julia and you and people like me and... I, 
we wouldn't be here doing this unless the people out there were watching and listening to this who actually agree. And maybe in time they'll raise their heads above the parapet. Yeah. And I think with talk radio and the way that we operate, that is what they've got used to now. And this yeah. is the only place where they can come to do that. So tell your listeners and potential viewers um, what they can expect from your show. Listen, just honesty, um, debate, uh, whatever, a, a roller coaster. At the end of the day, you know, whatever you want to talk about, whatever. It's the thing when you say to people, I want your opinion. Oh, but what if you disagree? I don't care if I disagree but then listen to my opinion. Mm. Talk radio, as you quite rightly said, is a, is, a, is a platform for people to be invested in debate, honesty, openness, and that's, and that's what we'll do. And, and, not, and, you know, people will go, yeah, but that's the bloke that shouted a lot. That was a television show. Th yeah. This is a radio show that will be about the people who listen to it and watch it. Uh, but people like you and I will have a strong opinion. It doesn't make us right the whole time, does it? How naive would you be to go, oh, I'm always right 100% yeah. of the time? I say I'm always right 100%. Yeah, but you're not, are you? But Well, that depends on no, who no, you are. No, you're not right the whole time. I We're can't remember the last time I was wrong, Jeremy. Really? No. Are you sure? I am sure. You've never been wrong. I didn't say that. I can't remember the last time I was wrong. You're very quick. Thank you. I just think that we run the risk of becoming a society of people who find labels who moan a little bit too much. Of course we should moan about things, but there's just this sort of whether it's blame or counsel or whinge culture that we now live in. And I just think, come on, yeah. come on, find a positive. Let's talk some more about what your plans are, because um, obviously there are going to be some great things happening at Talk Radio. Really um, looking forward to it. And to um, are you able to tell us when you're going to be joining? So we're going to start on, uh, absolutely, buddy, on the 13th of September. Between four and seven. Monday very to popular Thursday. time. What, four to seven? Yeah, very when popular are you time. I'm on from 10 to one. Well, that's even more popular. Yeah, but it? I can big you up, you see, before oh, right, you okay. come every you day. You can fluff me. I can do that. I can do you I said can that. Prepare, <laughs> I can prepare them for you. Oh, my Lord. No, it's listen, on, a, on an absolutely, on a serious note, for me, uh, talk Radio is just the, the most perfect project and I'm so excited to be working with you all and so excited to come here and be able to talk about stuff that matters to me, mm. that's mattered to me for a long, long time. I'm so excited about it, mate, and thank you, and I mean that. It's a pleasure. Top man. Jeremy Kyle, welcome to Talk Radio. What a fantastic addition to an already brilliant team. Uh, Jeremy will be here with us quicker than you could say anything, really. And anything. you better be quick to say anything against him because he's going to be inviting your calls, he's going to be inviting your views and he's going to be brilliant. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.